Well, again, good morning. Um, so my brother was sharing with me that he was visiting a church and a uh, guy got up to preach. He wasn't the normal preacher. And he said, you know, I'm so excited to be here this morning. I've got 17 points that we're going to get through this morning. And at about 20 minutes, he was like, all right, now for point four. And he just kept going. And he, at first, everybody laughed because they were like, 17 points, ha-ha. <laughs> and then Nathan looked over and he was like, I think he's serious. I think, it's, I think there's 17 this morning. So I want to promise you that we will not be here for 17 points this morning. Um, I am so excited to get to be here. I am a volunteer. I uh, am excited to kind of be a part of the community that is New Life. We were talking about that this morning. Uh, that really everybody you see here is a volunteer who's found a way to jump in and to serve and to help. Normally I'm with the preschoolers, um, which is one of my favorite ages, just to watch them learning and growing and kind of making those connections on how the world works and who they are and knowing that God loves them and wants to be their friend forever. Um, it's just a fun area to get to serve in, and so I enjoy it immensely. Um, this morning, we are going to look at the book of Jonah. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, you can flip them open there now. The easiest way, if you're looking, is to go to Matthew and then go back a few books. It's about seven books back. Um, it's way easier than going to Genesis and trying to work your way forward. You'll never find it if you go that direction. So if, uh, if you want to go backwards from Matthew... Um, but in the book of Jonah, you kind of have this story of this person who is running from God. And I think that's something that many of us have experienced. Um, I want to know, again, you don't have to tell the story, but if you at some point in your life, from the ages that you could walk up until about your driver's license, I want to see a show of hands, who tried to run away from home? Who ran away from home? I got one, two, few. It's a pretty common experience where we try to run away from home. We try to get away from the place we're in. It's often we're frustrated, we're angry. I remember my brother Nathan one time running away, um, and he was so mad at my parents. He came out of his bedroom, and he had his baby blanket. He's younger than me. Um, and he had his baby blanket, and he looked at them, and he stormed out the back door of the house, and he's like, I'm leaving this family. And as he's walking, he sees the neighbor's tree, and so he throws his blanket as high as he can up into this pine tree, and it hangs up in there, and he storms down the road, uh, down, in, in, down a couple of backyards, and sits down, and he just sits there. He is running away, and he's out of this family. And after a few minutes, he kind of realizes that he's in a pickle, and he goes and tries to get his blanket out of the tree, and he can't get it. And so he has to come back home and ask my mom to come help. And she goes and gets a little stepladder and gets the blanket out of the tree. Um, but many of us have had that experience where they're, we're mad, we're frustrated, and we don't want to put up with it anymore. And some of us have that experience, maybe it's a little later in life, um, you know, from 16 on, some of us tend to kind of run away from God. And you may not use those words, you may not describe yourself as running away from God, you may not say, hey, I am so mad at who God is that I'm taking off, but you begin to do some things to make life a little easier for yourself. You begin to do some things, you begin to not believe quite as much. You begin to kind of, God, if there is a God, maybe he's not here, he's not present, you kind of begin to take a step back uh, from who God is. So your conscience doesn't prick you quite so much. Um, you, maybe, you, maybe running away from God for some people can look like going and finding a spouse, which doesn't make any sense um, to go and find, a, find somebody that God doesn't want you to marry and be like, this is the person I'm going to marry. But I've got friends that I know that have done that. They've pursued what they wanted and began to chase after. Sometimes it's, it's the other way around. You're married and you, you begin to chase after God wants us, you begin to pursue other relationships and say, I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to find this new life, this life of freedom on the other side. 
Um, And the challenge with all of those is as we're running from God, we often don't necessarily get what we want. Uh, We don't begin to find the places that we want. Because the real challenge for all of us is just as my brother Nathan, when he stormed out of the house, it's all about getting away, but not necessarily what you're going to. Um, You've had that experience where when you're a kid and you're trying to run away, you know you want to leave. But where are you going to you don't really have a plan for that part. You don't really know what that looks like for you. And that's really kind of the place that Jonah finds himself. And so this morning, you may be familiar with the story of Jonah. Maybe you grew up in church and you've, you've heard it, you've seen Veggie Tales. you know this story inside and out. And some of you may be hearing this and you're like, you know, Jonah, really? This is the book we're going to be in? And so what I want to say is, is if, even if you don't believe, if you're here this morning because somebody talked you into coming, uh, somebody said, hey, why don't you come with me? It'll be great. And you're like, I don't know that it'll be great. And they're like, we'll go to lunch afterwards. And you're like, I do like lunch. All right, I guess I'll come. Um, and you don't believe, and especially you heard me talk about Jonah, and you're really skeptical. I get it. I totally get it. I remember sitting down at a youth group one time, and we're talking through the stories of the Old Testament prophets and kind of t- highlighting them because a lot of the kids that I was talking with didn't know the Bible. And I began to tell the story of Jonah, and I came to Jonah, came to the big fish, and this teen looks at me, and she goes, uh, BS, that's not in there. And I said, it is. It really is. She goes, no, it's not. It's not in there. That's not in the Bible. There's no way that's in the Bible. So we open up the book of Jonah and begin to look. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're here this morning and you hear the book of Jonah and you're like, mm, all right. And you, you, you're not like me. You didn't grow up in church. You, you're a little more skeptical. Um, that's okay. What I want to say is that is okay. Uh, the Bible is big enough. God is big enough. You've probably heard this before. God is big enough for your doubts, your concerns. And so maybe you're looking at it and you're like, ah, I'm not so sure about this. But I want to ask you to just pause for a second and think. So one of the things is the, the places in Jonah are real places. It talks about Nineveh. It's going to talk about Tarshish and Joppa. These are all real ancient cities uh, that really existed in a real place. If, it, if Jonah started off and it talked about Atlantis or Narnia, I'd be with you. I'd be like, okay, it's a little skeptical. But it really is talking about real places. And the distances are right. The location's right. The time period is right. Um, all of it lines up. You also have Jesus who makes an appeal to Jonah. In, Matthew, in the book of Matthew, Jesus actually talks about Jonah and makes some pretty important theological points about who he is from the life of Jonah. And so, um, but if you're here and you're skeptical, you're not sure, that is okay. You feel free to view the book of Jonah as a parable or as a myth, um, but know that it's a myth with a message. Know that there's something in this book that you probably should hear. So even if you're skeptical, even if you're like, ah, I'm not sure about this, I want to ask you to give it a chance because maybe you're just like, I believe in God, but this is a little much. And that's okay because we know that human beings have created nuclear submarines. We have the new Columbia class of submarine that's on its way right now. It's a whole city underneath the water. They can stay under the ocean for months at a time. Whole villages of people. And, and people made that. Like we just regular people, you, me, people, made that ship live underwater. And so maybe the God who created the world could do three days. Maybe it's possible that that's how this is. And so maybe you need to take a moment and just say, hey, I'm going to give this book a chance. I'm going to listen to these sermons over the next couple of weeks and kind of give this an opportunity to speak to me um, and a chance to speak to me. Because the truth is, even if you don't believe something to be true, it can still have an impact on you. 
Um, I was reading a book this week, and I got so excited about it. I was cheering. I'm walking in the park at Sacred County Park, and I'm going, oh, oh, because I'm so excited at the moment of the book. And this couple walks around the corner of the park, and they make eye contact with me like, what is why is this guy standing in the park screaming to himself? And I was like, hey, uh, take my headphones off. I was like, my book, it's really good. And I know it's a fiction book. I know it's made up, but it still was exciting and impactful for me. And so if you're here this morning, you're skeptical about the book of Jonah, you're not like me and you don't believe that it's necessarily real, that's okay. I want to give you permission to still listen and see what you might be able to learn about who God is and how he feels about you. So God comes to Jonah, and he is in this unique place um, because he is a prophet. And a prophet was somebody who would go and tell people something they may not necessarily want to hear. Um, and that's, that's, that's a job that most of us uh, have kind of seen or visited. Many of us, we were parents, um, and so we get to tell people things they don't want to hear. Our parents told us things we don't want to hear. The challenge for Jonah is... He has, gone, he has called on God to go tell something, people something they don't want to hear, but he's not called to God's people. So it's a little bit awkward for him. He has to go to not just people who weren't necessarily God's people, but he had to go to people who were actively enemies of God, to the city of Nineveh. And Nineveh was in the Assyrian Empire at this time. Um, it's a very prominent city in the ancient world, a hugely important place. Um, it's about 500 miles from where Jonah is by land. And God says, hey, you need to go to Nineveh. And just to set the stage for who Nineveh is, this is a city that, no, they did not slap people with fish. That is not who they were. If you saw that in the movie Jonah uh, from VeggieTales, that is a little bit of an embellishment. Because what they did is they were known for flaying people alive. They would peel your skin off as a form of torture, and they would leave you alive with your skin missing in order to suffer as long as possible for a witness to other people as to not cross the Assyrian Empire and to not cross the city of Nineveh. And you can imagine why that didn't make Veggie Tales. That would be a little bit much for that story. Um, and so this, this is who Jonah's called to go to, and he, he just doesn't want to do it. He genuinely doesn't want to go. And it's not because entirely because he's afraid of Nineveh, but because he knows that he is called to go and tell them to repent, to turn around, to stop doing, and to follow God, or else judgment is going to come. And God looks at Jonah and says, hey, you got to go do this. And Jonah says, you know, why don't we just skip straight to the judgment? Let's just go they're the enemies. They're not us. They are the wrong people. Let's just skip straight to the judgment. And so what he does is he goes down to the port of Joppa and he grabs a ticket on a ship to Tarshish. So Tarshish is, is 2,500 miles in the totally opposite direction. So Nineveh's over here. Uh, Jonah's right here. Tarshish is way over here. So it's almost on the edge of Spain. It's the furthest that we know trading routes went in the ancient world. Um, it is one of the furthest trading routes that we know of from where Jonah's leaving. So basically what he's doing is he's going as far as possible. It is like God saying, hey, would you run up to Kansas City real quick? Would you just go talk to the folks in Kansas City? And if you're me, you're like, oh, I don't want to go to Kansas City. They're the worst. Um, they think they're great and they're such a pain. I don't want to do this. And so you go to San Francisco. Just, you know, right around the corner. Just scoot to San Francisco. Those distances are about equivalent. Um, and so Jonah is taking off in the other direction. 
And he walks up to the port, and he begins this journey. Um, it says, so if you've got your Bibles open, you can flip them open. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 1. It says, so the word of the Lord came to Jonah, um, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because of the wicked, its wickedness has come before me. God is saying, I'm sick of what's happening here. And so Jonah goes, it says, uh, but Jonah run, ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Again, it's as far away as Jonah can get. It's as far away from the direction he's supposed to be going. And it's such an odd choice because it is unbelievably dangerous to get on a ship at this time period. Um, it is genuinely more risky to be a sailor at sea than to be a soldier in the army. Just to put that in perspective, it is worse this is hand-to-hand -hand combat. This is, this is the ancient Near East, the brutal battles. And it is way more dangerous to be a sailor, to get onto a boat and to begin to cross the Mediterranean Sea. And so it's like if you are trying to run and hide from God and you just make the worst choice possible, like, hey, I've got to get away from God, so I am going to go, I'm going to go hang gliding. I'm going to go, I'm going to go caving. I'm going to go hide in a cave. I'm going to go try to take the most dangerous thing I can think of and, turn, and use that as a way to get away from who God is and what he's doing. But it's what Jonah does. And I think it's one of the things that's true. It's, there's a couple observations about runners um, because most of us have ran from God at some point. And the truth is most runners tend to run to strange places. We tend to not always think through what we're doing because it's not necessarily about where we're going to but what we're trying to get away from. And so we make choices that sometimes don't look kind of odd. Again, you have known people who've done this to yourself. Maybe this is your own story. Um, where you can look around and see like the self-destructive and bad habits. You choose, you begin to pursue a relationship that probably isn't the best. And you know it's not the best. And you know that God has called you to marry somebody uh, that, is, that is also a Christian with you. But you're looking around, you're like, man, but she is, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. And listen, I know not everybody, uh, everybody can become a Christian, but not everybody can be that beautiful. So why don't I marry her, and then we'll see if she becomes a Christian. We'll see if God can do a work in his life. So I'm going to pursue him, even though I know I probably shouldn't, because I'm hopeful for what could be. Or I'm going to pursue this thing. It's not that big a deal. It's fine. And all of a sudden, you're buried in debt. And other people can look at you and see what you're doing and wonder why you're choosing to pursue that. Why something that was once fun, that was once no big deal, has become destructive and kind of taken over your life. Um, but you can see this from runners throughout history. That as you're running and trying to get away from something, the choices that you make have repercussions. Uh, the choices that you make are hard to get out of sometimes. You can think you're doing something. Hey, I'm just going to go cut loose for a little bit. It's going to be fine. I'm just going to go and, and have a year, kind of sow my oats and go see how things are. And all of a sudden, it's five, six years later. And you're trapped and you're stuck. You're stuck in a relationship. You're stuck in debt. You're stuck in a place that you don't want to be. And you're not sure how to get out of it. And you may be thinking, you know, how did, how did he know? How did he know that that's what I did? That that's my story? 
And the truth is, because Chad called me and told me. He said he wanted me to talk to you specifically. No, that's not it at all. It is because it's a pattern, because it's predictable, because it's something you can begin to see. I'm, I'm, I'm old enough in life now, I'm 40 years old, like old enough in life that I can see people having made these kind of choices, running from who God has called them to be, from who God has set them up to be, and they begin to be stuck, to be trapped. And so the text goes on, it says, um, then, in, in verse 4, then the Lord, and you can feel it even in those words, then the Lord, there's like a bump, 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 you feel that moment coming. It says, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and it struck up such a violent storm, or such a violent storm arose that it threatened to break the ship, ship up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. So these sailors, these are people who have done this before. They know their way around a vessel. They know their way around travel. They know what that feels like, and yet they're trying to get away uh, from this storm. That means this is something abnormal, something unusual. And we partially know that because of what it says next. It says, they took all the cargo and threw it over the ship. That is the only point of this journey. Jonah's little bit of money, that's just a little bit of money in the pocket of the captain. That is not why they're there. They do not travel to move people around. They travel to move goods around. And once those goods get to port and they get paid for those goods, that's what makes the trip worth it. And so they know that this is a loss for all of them. They're not going to get paid. And yet they throw it all overboard, hoping to lighten the ship. It says they threw the cargo into the sea, but Jonah went below deck and went to sleep. And the captain came down to him and said, in verse 6, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. I think it's the second thing that's true about runners is we, runners often don't run to the weirdest and strangest places. And they are often the last one to notice the chaos around them. Runners are often the last one to notice that things aren't going the way they wanted. Uh, other people can see it. Other people who may not be in your life can see it. You know, your parents are like, hey, are you sure about this? This doesn't seem like the life you wanted. This doesn't seem like you're having fun. Are you sure about this? And yet, they're still pursuing it. They've got friends who are coming up and saying, hey, listen, I know it's not none of any of my business, but... And they proceed to tell you something. And your first thought is, yeah, it's not your business. So you can shut your mouth. <laughs> I don't need to hear that. I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. And so we can flee from, from something. And we begin to get into these strange places. And we don't see it. We are often the last ones to notice. This is a huge storm. Everybody on the ship is freaking out. Except for Jonah. Because he is asleep under the deck. Just oblivious to what's happening around him. Doesn't even notice the consequences of where he's at. And so the captain comes down and says, hey, come with us. We need you on deck. And so they all begin to come up on deck and they begin to pray. They're having this prayer meeting. They're all praying to their different gods. It says in the text, um, it says, how can you sleep? The captain tells him, get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. And so he's up on the deck with everybody, and the storm is still raging. It's still going. And so they cast lots to try to figure out whose fault this is. Um, they're trying to figure out why is this happening. Something is wrong. And it comes to Jonah, and they all look at Jonah and say, 
who are you? Why? Tell us your story. Why is this happening? And Jonah answers him. He says, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And at this point, you've got to think, Jonah might be thinking, maybe I should have stayed you should have stayed on the land. Maybe that would have been a better choice. Um, but this terrified the sailors, it says. Um, and they said to him, have, uh, what have you done? Because they already knew he was running away from the Lord. And they asked him, how do we fix this? And Jonah tells them, you have to throw me into the sea. You have to throw me into the sea. And they say, no. They say, we're not going to do that. That's not what we want to do. So they are trying desperately to get back to the land, it tells us. And they realize they are not going to be able to get away. And so they ask, it actually says in the text, they specifically ask Jonah's God to forgive them for what they're going to do. And they throw throw him into the ocean. And I think it's really interesting. um, This is just a comment. I think it's interesting that these sailors, whose livelihood and lives have been threatened because of the choices that Jonah made, care more about Jonah than Jonah cares about the Ninevites. That these strangers, these foreigners, care more about Jonah than Jonah cares about the Ninevites. And it goes on to say, so they took him and threw him overboard, verse 15, and the raging sea grew calm. Verse 17 says, and now the Lord. So it was then the Lord earlier, and then now it's now the Lord. And hopefully we all have these now the Lord moments in our life. So now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days for, and three nights. And it's, it goes on to say in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And from the belly of the fish, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord as God. And I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. Um, We're going to talk more about that prayer next week as we kind of run through this. Um, But Jonah is really in this position where he has turned his back on God. And he's running away, not knowing where he's going to. And he's oblivious to the chaos and the destruction that he's leaving behind him. But he finds that third thing that I think all runners learn. Is you can run from God, but you can't necessarily outrun God. Because he is there waiting for you. God is coming after you, whether you like it or not. So when I was younger, I have uh, three siblings, all younger than me. I'm the oldest, therefore the best. I think we all know that. Uh, If you're an oldest sibling, you know that to be true. Um, But my youngest sibling is my sister. And when she was little, she had this suitcase. Not actually this exact one, but it was exactly like this one. She found this one uh, years ago and bought it for her kiddos to play with. Uh, but my sister had this exact same suitcase. And I remember her taking this suitcase into her room and opening it up and packing it with all the important things she had. Stuffed animals, toys, her favorite blanket. Packing it in the suitcase because she was going to run away. No underwear socks because she's three and... You're not thinking about that at that age. Um, but she is going to run away. And my brother Stephen decided to join her. They were going to run away together. Uh, that they had had enough of this family. Uh, they were sick of this. And they were out of here. And to be honest, I was talking to my mom about it. And she said, you know, it's probably your fault. Um, 
and that's probably accurate. That's probably true. Um, but they are going to run away. And so they take this little suitcase, and she is, they march off. They've got all their stuff in it, and they leave. And they go down uh, to the college that was near our house and found a little place, kind of a little corner near some of the air conditioning units and sat down because they are not going to live with us anymore. And they opened their little suitcases up and they had the little sandwiches that they'd packed in here and they ate the sandwiches. And then what do you do? What do you, what do you, where do you go? What's next? When you're three and five, what, do, what is the next steps you take? And again, because they don't realize where they're going. They don't have a plan, and they've run to the strangest places, and they don't really know what they're doing. They, haven't, they don't even realize the chaos they're in. They don't even realize how hard life really would be for a three- and five-year-old to make it on their own. They have no uh, plan of that. But my parents were coming after them because regardless of where you sit, God is still there. One of the things we know very true from Scripture, from the front to the back, is God views us as his children. Um, Scripture makes that abundantly clear. In the Old and the New Testament, in the prophets, in the Psalms, we see it over and over again that we are children of God. And he comes after us. And it's not to punish us. I remember hearing, your dad's looking for you. I'm like, I'm not looking for him. What is he looking for me for? Am I in trouble? Can somebody tell me what's going on? God is looking for us not to punish us, not to pay us back, but to win us back, to bring us back into the family, to have that moment where we can come back in. Proverbs uh, chapter, three, uh, chapter 3, verse 11 says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, uh, as a father the son he delights in. The God's discipline, God's sending the fish to Jonah wasn't a punishment, but it was provision. It wasn't punishment, but it was a provision. It was an invitation to come back, to see who God is. And we're going to see that Jonah has a pretty, uh, pretty dramatic prayer um, in chapter 2. He kind of runs through the nuts and bolts of what this means uh, to begin to come back to who God is. But God is coming after you, whether you know it or not. And as we were talking about running away as a family, and I was kind of calling my siblings and talking through them and seeing if they remembered these stories and making fun of Nathan for throwing his blanket in the tree, like, it's such a kid thing to do, like, this blanket's important to me, so I'm going to punish you by getting rid of it. What? What are you doing? And as we were talking about it, I realized my sister and my brother Stephen both look at that story of them running away, and they laugh because of how silly it is. But the truth is, it could have been a very different experience. What if my parents just said, okay, that's fine, you can go. That's the, you're not welcome here anymore. This isn't your home. If you're going to turn your back on me, we're going to turn our back on you. You can go somewhere else. You can find a new family to live with. You can sort yourself out. What if they'd have punished and reacted with such fierce anger? Especially that fear that comes as a parent. If you're a parent, you know that fear where you can't find one of your kids, where they're hiding, where they're misplaced, where you're looking for them. And you begin, it goes from being silly 
to being a little irritating, to being downright terrifying because you know that they belong with you. And that's who our God is. He comes after us and he's waiting for you. There's not a punishment here. There's not a chasing after here. Um, but it's, it's God coming after you. So maybe those moments in your life, the then the Lord moments, the storms, the chaos, the frustration, those are moments that are meant to invite you back to God, back to his family, back to the purposes that he set before you. And so um, I'm going to invite the band to come up. Um, but this morning, as you're beginning to think about this and rest with this, next week, again, we're going to look at that prayer and have this really uh, powerful moment to talk about uh, what it means to run. So if you're running right now from God, you're free to run for one more week unless you realize that this is a pattern and that God's been calling after you for a long time. And he's been waiting patiently for you. Not to punish you, not to pay you back, not to force you to reconcile all that you've done wrong, but to win you back, to bring you back to who he is and who he's created you to be. And the reason I know that to be true is because 2,000 years ago, he sent his son to pay for your debt. That his death, his burial and resurrection ultimately was an invitation for all of us to come back into his family. And this is the part about being a Christian that I just find so stunning. I talk about it all the time because I find it so overwhelming. God takes people who would run from him, who turned his back on him, who have been angry at him. And he doesn't just forgive them. He doesn't just say, oh, it's okay. He doesn't just grant mercy or grace this undeserved favor on us. But he actually invites us, invites you into his family. He invites you into his saving work, into the work of bringing about justice and restoration and healing for the whole world. That when we look around the world and see that things aren't right, that it's not the way it should be, that that is an invitation from God to be a part of his redemptive story. It's a remarkable moment in the book of Jonah when he doesn't just see that God isn't just trying to punish him, but instead, God is pursuing him. And that is true for you as well. Whether you've been running from God for a little bit or for a while, uh, there's an invitation to come back uh, to him, to run back to the Father. Father God, I thank you so much for this story. It's one of my favorites in the book, in the Bible. To see somebody who reminds me so much of myself. Thinking that I know better. Thinking that I, I know what's best for my life. And pursuing it regardless of the invitations that you've laid before me. God, ignoring the prophets that you put in our lives. Some of us have run to the wrong things. That our parents, some of us, our children have even pleaded with us to see the chaos around us. To see the warning signs. To see that we are running. And God, you are standing there waiting patiently to bring us back. Not chasing us down for punishment, but chasing us down because we belong with you. And would that story get a hold of each of us in a profound way?
but we know that we were created in your image for good works. And with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, cover our weaknesses, our sin, our rebellion, and pave the way back to relationship with you and to the kingdom that you've established. And it is in the name of our King and Savior that we pray. Amen.